1 Corinthians chapter 14 on the gifts and operations of the Holy Spirit. Now it's a tall order because there is a lot involved in this first book of Corinthians. In this book, Paul was trying to correct some abnormalities in the development of that church. People were going to extremes and they were really making, shall I say, a mess of the good things of God. And when that happens, it means that people require teaching. Teaching helps to set everybody in order and to help each of us to toe the line. Um, it is impossible for me in an hour or two or three to touch on the high points in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But let me begin by saying 1 Corinthians 12 deal, 12 chapter, that chapter deals with the manifestation of the Spirit. The 13th chapter deals with the, let me, let's say, the motivation of the life in the Spirit, motivation. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 deals with love, love. And love is the motivation, motivating factor behind uh, our being used in the things of the Spirit. Then chapter 14 deals with the operation. So what do we have? Chapter 12, the manifestation of the Spirit. Chapter 13, the motivation of the Spirit. And chapter 14, the operation of the Spirit. And I believe it's in chapter 14 that I've been asked to do a few highlights. But the thing is, I have not... I usually, as a teacher, I make my notes and do my outlines and all of that, but today we will have to do like an exposition, expository presentation of uh, this passage. And further, um, I want to recommend something to you. I notice, I sense that many of you have a strong desire to grow in the Lord and to improve in the Lord and to develop a knowledge and an experience in the things of the Holy Spirit. And that is good. You desire to be used of the Spirit of God. And it's the spiritual people that God will use to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And I encourage you to go forward in this respect. And as such, if you could afford it, I'd like you to find in one of the Christian bookstores or wherever you guys are more up to date with things of this sort than I am, see if you could find a Bible entitled Full Life Study Bible. That is Full Life Study Bible. It used to be called the Fire Bible years ago. It's put out by Sondervan, and um, it was my fortune to have met the man who wrote the notes 
on these he didn't write the bible but he wrote notes on several of these chapters including first corinthians 14. every chapter of the bible he wrote notes on i met him and when i met him he only had a few more months to live he was writing the notes on the study bible and he had a very serious heart condition and i'm trying to remember where i met him if it was in it was in a spanish country if it was in belize or if it was in the dominican republic i can't remember donald stamps he wrote the notes and they are powerful notes and i encourage you if at all possible see if you could get yourself a copy of the full life study bible known as the fire bible and you could get it in niv and uh, in the old king james version but let's go to first corinthians chapter 14. we'll be talking about the operation of the spirit we wouldn't be able to get into every detail but we will do our best in the circumstances and i'll have to do a lot of reading there are 40 verses but we'll take them piece by piece first corinthians 14 verse 1 follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy paul encourages us here to let the holy spirit use us in the ministry of prophecy he recommends that and he in fact he puts uh, prophecy as the best gift in its class one of the gifts of utterance the best gifts in its class he said desire to prophesy he says for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto god some people complain, well, what's the sense speaking in tongues when I don't understand what I'm saying? Listen, speaking in tongues is a secret. It's a mystery. It's, a, let's say, a mystery between you and your Father God. You are able to whisper some secrets between you and Him that you don't understand, but he understands and he knows. It's rather, rather it's also a code message between you and your heavenly father. And only people who are close could exchange secrets. And if you are close to God, speaking in tongues is an operation for you to, um, speaking in tongues is an operation for you to share some of your secrets with him you don't know exactly what you're saying but as you're urged by the spirit the spirit knows what is your weakness he knows what is your uh, need he knows what is your lack he knows what is your problem he knows what are your feelings he knows the deep conflicts of your soul and those are the things he relates to the father so when you see God answering prayer, you say, but I can't remember praying for this. I can't remember asking God for this. Oh, I tell you what happened. While you were praying in the spirit, who knows? But the, the spirit was making intercession for you with groanings which could not be uttered. So 
Paul says when you speak in an unknown tongue, you don't speak to men, but you speak to God. Because no man understands you, but in the spirit, you're speaking secrets, mysteries, known only to God. Verse 3, Bible says, although tongues are good, speaking in tongues is wonderful, but he who prophesies speak unto men for their edification, building them up, for their exhortation, challenging them to higher, come up higher and the higher ground, and comfort, consoling, all like Debbie that needs consolation today. God, by the Holy Spirit, would be able to give her that consolation. Point is this, when you prophesy, you usually speak in the known language, a language understood by the people to whom you're speaking or with whom you're speaking. But when you speak in tongues, you're speaking God's language and you're speaking to God. And when you speak, when you prophesy, you're building up, you're exhorting, you're comforting, you're ministering, you're consoling, you're strengthening, and you're speaking into the spirit of a person or the persons to their comfort, edification, and exhortation. Verse 4, he says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Nothing is wrong with speaking in tongues, and although you can't understand what you're saying, you're actually, while you speak, you're building up yourself. You're getting stronger. You're getting taller. You're reaching higher. You're going deeper. You edify and build up yourself. But when you prophesy, you edify the whole church. The whole church is blessed by prophecy. When you speak in tongues, you are blessed and God is, uh, you're able to reach God the Father. Verse 5, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. Paul said, I'm glad that you folks are speaking in tongues. It's good. But I prefer you all to prophesy in addition to speaking with other tongues. He said, but when you speak in tongues, you're edified. And when you prophesy, the whole church is, is, is um, edified. He that speaketh with tongues should pray that he interpret that the church may, be, may receive edifying. So, listen, if you will speak publicly in tongues, it will serve the public no good except you interpret what is said. Therefore, it's wiser to speak in tongues by yourself and in private so that you may be edified and so that you may be in contact with God. But it doesn't serve any particularly useful purpose if you speak aloud in tongues where no one is able to understand. And to make them understand, you should trust the Lord to use you to interpret what was just uttered. Verse 6, Now, brethren, 
If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or, or, or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. It will do you no good if you don't understand what's going on. And if everybody carries on in tongues, nobody gets anything except the person speaking that is edifying himself or herself. So speaking in tongues will serve first to edify you and build you up. And that's why in your private devotions and when you're by yourself, you need to use this ministry in tongues a lot. We'll come to that later on. Verse 7, Paul says, And even things without life, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except it give a distinction in the sound, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself to battle? So likewise, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is how shall it be known what is being spoken? For you shall be speaking into the ear. In other words, just to get up and start speaking in tongues with no interpretation wouldn't make sense. It's not bad, but it doesn't make sense. And what benefit would it be to others if it doesn't make sense to them nor to you? There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Yes. When you hear a horn from a car, you know, well, that's a car. When you hear the whistle from the train, you know, that's a train. When you hear the song of an airplane, you know, that's a plane. But when you hear a song that you can't tell what it is, it creates a mystery. And you're worried, you're troubled. Is that an earthquake? Is that a tsunami? You don't know. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh, but a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. You'll be strangers, you'll be looking around, what is he getting at? What does that mean? What is he saying? Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. That is verse 12. Excel to the edifying of the church. Let what you do build up the body of Christ. And what you have to do to build up your own self, you do that in private, in private and by yourself. And seek to build up the church and seek to build up yourself. There's a time for building up yourself and there's a place for building up the church. Wherefore, verse 13, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Why? If he interprets, it blesses the whole body. And it is far better. It, it's unselfish for the whole body to be blessed and edified uh, rather than just you. You alone cannot take all the attention and steal the show for the moment. It's selfish. 
but seek to be a blessing to more people, to all the people. And when you need personal edification, go in a corner and wait there before the Lord and speak in tongues as much as you want so that the people, you would be edified for the glory of God. Wherefore, let him that speaketh, verse 13, in an unknown tongue, pray that he may interpret. And if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Don't get me wrong, and don't get the scriptures wrong. Nobody is saying don't speak in tongues. Nobody is saying don't pray in tongues. We are saying speak in tongues, pray in tongues for your personal edification and comfort and upliftment. But there's a time for that, and uh, you need to know when that time is. Further, if you do pray publicly in tongues, make sure there is an interpreter to interpret what you say. You say, well, how can I know there will be an interpreter? If there is no interpreter, you just keep quiet and go on praying privately and quietly to yourself. Yes. Uh, what is it then, Paul says in verse 15? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Yes, enjoy yourself. Speak in tongues. But don't do it to the distraction and the confusion of other people all around. But do as much of it as possible in your private devotion and in privacy. Praise God. Else, verse 16, when you bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say amen? At thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what you say. Nobody could say amen when you give an utterance in tongues. They don't know what you said in the Spirit. It might be a good thing, but still, they don't know. For thou verily givest thanks. Well, but the other is not, I did, is not edified. Verse 18. Listen to this. This is important. Paul speaking. He said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. I was amazed after I discovered in the Amplified Version that verse reads something like this. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than all of you put together. All you Corinthians who are babbling there in church, all of you talking together, a hundred of you, a thousand of you, all speaking in tongues. Nobody knows what you're saying. Paul says, I want you Corinthians to know I do speak in tongues. And I speak a lot. And I speak in tongues according to the Amplified Version more than all of you put together. So speaking in tongues has a place and it is an important place. And some people write off speaking in tongues. They say, what's the sense? There's a lot of sense because two things happen when you speak in tongues. You edify yourself. You build up courage within you. You build up spiritual strength in you. You build up power and resist. Oh my, all the blessings you could think about will come upon you 
as you speak in tongues in a private corner and to yourself. That's one blessing. The second blessing is, the Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks unto God. You get a hotline to God. You get a, to make a contact with God that is sure because you speak to God when you speak in an unknown tongue. Verse 19, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice, or rather that by my voice I may teach others also than 10,000 words in the unknown tongue. Paul is making it clear. He couldn't make it clearer. He said in the church, I'd rather speak. Uh, let, let, let me get that as it is said here. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. It's 10,000 to one, 10,000 to five. He preferred to speak with on, uh, to the understanding of the people rather than speaking in an unknown tongue because people will be edified when they understand what is being said. If they don't understand, you will turn them off. They will turn you off and you will be speaking into the air to yourself and only to God. In the law, verse 21, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips where I speak unto these people and yet for all that, uh, for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not for them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for, for them which believe. Paul is working hard to impress on the Corinthians that they should seek for the edifying of the body, the whole body, words of comfort for the church, words of exhortation for the church, words of blessing for the church. And you know, the and, uh, prophecy source for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. Prophecy comforts. Verse 23. If therefore the whole church become together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say you are mad? Speaking in tongues is a beautiful experience and a wonderful privilege. But if all of us begin to speak in tongues and the stranger comes in, he, will, he or she will say, these people are mad. Well, that scripture, these people are mad. What are they saying? What is all this about? You see, the unbeliever cannot understand and would not understand and is unable to understand what it is all about. But you know that you're edifying yourself and you're speaking to God, but you notice that's just for you. 
your benefit. You edify yourself and to speak to your God. But to the unbeliever, it does nothing for him but confusing. But Paul says in 24, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or is unlearned, he's convinced of all, he's judged of all, and thus are the secrets of hearts made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will turn around and worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So prophecy is good for the church and it's also good for the unbeliever because the secrets of his heart will be revealed. He will be convinced, convicted of sin and righteousness and judgment. He'll be convinced of the goodness and the power of God because we all speak a language he understands and we speak it in the spirit. It's the spirit of God that bears the prophet along. It is the spirit of God that puts the thoughts and the words in the mouths of the prophet so that when they speak, hallelujah, things happen, lives are touched, situations are changed, secrets are revealed, the power of God is manifested. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In verse 26, we go on and hurry. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. When you come together, he said, but let all things be done unto edifying, building up. If the church profits by your presentation in a language that they understand, or in a language that is given in tongues and interpreted, if they profit by it, that's the chief aim, edifying the body of Christ. People must be built up in this world of stress and strain and disappointment and sorrow and change. People need to be built up very much so. 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, that all, and rather, and that by course, and let one interpret. Something important is coming out here. Paul seems to suggest that there should not be more than three messages and interpretations in tongues in any one gathering. Not more than three. And then, they must not be all jumbled together. They must be by course. One speak in tongues, and then interpretation comes. Another speaks in tongues, and the interpretation is given. And the third speaks in tongues, and the interpretation given. And after that, period. That's enough. Let it be by two or three at the most and that by course that is alternately you can't have two tongues and then two interpretations back to back you have to have one message in tongues and an interpretation 
another message in tongues as the spirit leads and an interpretation and another and when you hit three that's enough um we go on if any man speak in an unknown tongue let it be by two or at most by three and that by course and let one interpret 28 but if there be an, no interpreter let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let him speak to himself and to God. Um, let's see what we know. Verse 29. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the others judge. That's another thing. The spirit of God within you will help you to discern whether the message that is coming over is of the spirit or of another spirit. Two, the, the people speak and the rest of you judge. And I have been in services where the prophets would speak and you could sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You could sense the power of God behind it. You could sense the, the blessing of God there. So let one speak and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Here's what will happen. Sometimes while the prophet is speaking, something comes to your mind and you feel that you want to say something. Oh, no, no, no. Hold your and let the message go forth. For you may all prophesy one by one, not three or four of you at the same time, everybody talking together, that all may learn and that all may be comforted. And listen, 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, you cannot be heard to say, that the spirit made you do this or the spirit made you say this or the spirit made you interrupt or cut across the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets 33 for god is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints every church god doesn't create confusion Fusion is when everybody wants to be in front. It's like when people are fighting and arguing. They want to outspeak and outtalk and outshout. That's the word I want. They want to outshout the other person. Hey, it's not a competition. We are working here in peace and in harmony. For God is not the author of confusion. Verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the church or in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also said the law. No, I don't know. Let, let me mention this. I was in Suriname a few years, several years ago, and there is a period of full stop in the King James Bible, 
that says uh, it says let the women they're commanded under the law let me read that over again for God is not the author of confusion verse 34 let your women keep silence in the church for it is not permitted unto them to speak for they are commanded to be under obedience as also set the law now there is a period in the King James Version after law there's a period in the Suriname Bible. There, she says that the women should keep silence in the church. And uh, there is a, a period there. But and it, it changes the sense of the whole thing where, where it would indicate that the woman has no right at all to speak in the church, not at all, because the law says so. But what is the solution, not the solution? What is the answer? In those Eastern churches and in those days, women were not as, excuse this term, I, don't, I can't find a better word. The women were not as educated as they are today. And number two, those churches had the women sitting on one side of the building, the men on the other side, and between the women and the men, there was a wall so that the women could not see over into the section where the men were. And what would happen? A wife on one side, when the preacher says something, she would call to her husband, Hey, honey, what does he mean by that? Or the other woman might say, Hi, Thomas, what does the preacher mean by that? And they were constantly shouting over the wall. So Paul said to them, Listen, none of that. Don't shout across to your husband during the ministry and the preaching of the word. If you have any question that you want to ask, wait until you get home and then you ask the question so paul says it is not permitted it is not right for the woman to speak in the church in that respect they were shouting across the aisle and paul said none of that let them be under obedience as also says the law and if they will learn anything verse 35 let them ask their husbands at home for it is a shame for women to be speaking or to speak in the church 36 what came what came this word of god out from you or came it unto you only if a man think of think himself to be a prophet or to, to be spiritual let him acknowledge that the things which I write unto you are the commandment of the Lord. But if any man will be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Paul says, these things I'm writing to you are what God has impressed on me to write. Conclusion. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. 
and forbid not to speak with tongues. Have prophecies because it edifies the whole church and even the unbeliever get something out of it. But don't stop people from speaking in tongues. Don't stop them from building up themselves. Don't stop them from communi uh, communing with God through tongues. He says that all things be done decently and in order. 